following is a member of the Growler Media Podcast Network. Find out more at growlermedia.com. Ming's not unbeatable. With all his men, he couldn't even kill Flash. Gordon's alive! Welcome to Flash Gordon Minute, presenting your hosts... From Minute of Darkness and the Cosmic Geppetto Podcast, Brad. And introducing your intrepid explorer of Planet Mongo, Eric. We're at Minute 85 of Flash Gordon. Eric, how you doing? Brad, people are pummeling me with a plethora of pillows. Please make them stop. And that's Alliteration Minute from Geppetto Studios and Flash Gordon Minute. Ah, yes, there's a pillow fight. Yay! Because I think that's just something that happened a lot more often in movies. Uh, Joining us again, we have uh, our friend Robert Black. Robert, how you doing? I'm doing good. Thank you for having me. Eric, where are you broadcasting from? Uh, Los Angeles. Very good. So, uh, yeah, we've uh, been had so much fun with so many guests from all over the country and all over the world. So, uh... Uh, I just welcome again. Uh, so, so tell us a little bit more. You're, you're doing uh, my, what's it's it's Michael Myers minute. Yes. What is your feeling about? Uh, we talked a little bit yesterday. This is a, a, a franchise, sort of a weird franchise where there's been so many reboots and reboots instead of reboots. Um, w- w- there's going to be an upcoming movie with, um, uh, that's basically being presented as. A sequel to the original, ignoring all the rest. Yeah. Uh, what are your feelings about that? I'm hoping the movie looks like it's going to be good, so I think I can forgive that part of it. But I really, I'm one of the few people that's like an apologist for like number six, which a lot of people hate. And in the comics, they connect that to H20. So uh, I, I like the whole series. Well, you know, and I get it more ignoring because they, they. What was his name? Rob Zombie just yeah. did two films, which recast everyone. I get, although it is weird ignoring those movies. That was the reboot, and now you're ignoring the reboot and going back. But it is weird to just go back that way. I I, I, don't, I can't think of a film series that's done that. The closest I can think of is when they brought Sean Connery back for uh, uh, Never Say Never in the Bond series. But yeah. That sort of backtracking is uh, so odd, and I wonder if they're going to get more of that when reboots are happening so fast, and you know if that's going to be a thing they go back to where one fails, they'll just go back. Yeah, and just remake it again. All right, so uh, we're on to minute eighty-five. Uh, Eric, what happens in this minute? Of Flash Gordon. Well, as alluded to uh, in yesterday's show, uh, the very first second or two of this minute. We end the last scene with Flash letting out a big woohoo. And uh, the comment I was going to make uh, from what you said, Brad, was uh, that this woohoo to me is not just Flash getting himself pumped up for the big battle that he knows about to happen. I think it's letting the audience know Act 2 is over, Act 3, the big final battle is about to begin. Strap yourselves in. This is going to be a great ride. <laughs> It's Flash is so happy. He's having such a great time. He's going into the fight. He's flying a motorcycle, a space cycle. Um, you know, it's 
it's a great moment, and it's what Sam Jones Jones does so well, where he looks really excited. He, Sam Jones looks like he's having fun, and uh, yeah. It, but then it's funny because it's such a great moment. You're right; it is letting you know. It's like, okay, this is where the big action happens, and then we immediately switch away from all the action. Take that over to Dale. Yeah. So, uh, w- 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 where do we uh, return to Dale, Eric? Yeah. So uh, then we we come back to Dale. And she is back in the chambers that she had escaped earlier in the movie. Uh, and while the last time she was here, uh, she was very empowered. She, she got her way out of there. Uh, here, she seems to be very sadly accepting her fate. She's having her nails done. She's having her makeup done. And, and she's wiping tears off her face. Uh, and, you know, she's getting ready. Uh, they're, they're making her up for the big wedding to Ming. Ming has told Flash that... We decided to marry her, as as he put it uh, to Flash a few minutes ago, and this is what they're getting her ready for. And uh, she seems to just be really sadly have given up. She thinks Flash is dead once again. It, it feels like this scene and the scene you're talking about previous, where uh, Dale made her daring escape and beat up everybody and was doing handsprings, were, were from two completely different drafts of this movie. Because she looks so defeated and so cowed, and why would she be any more, um, why why wouldn't she have the same uh, vigor and chutzpah this time around? Because there's really nothing different other than, you know, it's exactly the same thing. She thought Flash was dead then, she th- thinks he's dead now. Well, doesn't she try the, doesn't she do the escape after Flash contacts her through the, the mind, you know, connector device thingy? Yeah, uh, still right. in there. He contacts her. You're right. You're right. But you know, it's how many times has he got to cheat death before she starts? Uh, <laughs> or yeah, it's like, hey, she has know, a limit. It's like, yeah, uh, you know, no, I'm sure he's dead. It's like, no, you know what? Until you see his head on a pike, just assume that he's got a chance to make it through. But uh, it, it, and uh, Dale looks great in this. Uh, it, it, it's a fl- the colors are flattering. They're doing nice stuff with her hair. She looks great. Um. And she, 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 but definitely has sad face going on. And then Aura arrives. My first note on this minute was that, like, I saw this in the theater, and I was when this come out eighty or eighty one. Eighty. Eighty. She in this outfit was one of like my first crushes as a little kid in a science fiction movie, and we had this on video and watched it a lot. So I'm fine with her looking defeated because she looks good, as you said. Oh yeah, she, it, it's very flattering, and Dale has, you know, going from the start where she had the, uh, you know, basically the red and white, the Century Twenty One by way of white stripes outfit, uh, <laughs> to this is uh, definitely a vast improvement because it was uh, some very unflattering outfits at the beginning, and uh, no, she, she looks great. Um, but okay, so so Eric, Aura shows up. So Aura shows up, and by the way, we get uh, as we. First cut to Dale getting makeup, uh, the, the the makeup put on, and as the guards are bringing Aura into the room, we get a little bit of the Ming theme entrance music uh, from earlier in the movie playing there, uh, just to sort of little and a little you know forebodingness to it, remind everybody you know uh, Ming's evilness uh, casts a shadow over this scene, and Aura shows up, and uh, Dale immediately uh, snaps out of her funk. And says one of my absolute favorite lines in the movie, gives Aura a hard smack in the face, and says, "Damn Mongo person." 
Oh, gosh, it was a... <laughs> she sells it, and she's, she means it. I was like, that is such a silly thing to say. He's like, you mongo woman lady thing. <laughs> Love that line. Oh, it's a great line. He doesn't, uh, she doesn't know what to properly call her, so she just <laughs> it up. No, it, it, it works, and it's... She, she she gives a good slap, and uh, I don't know. Apparently, Dale has lost all the fighting skills that she displayed earlier. I think she only had like uh, I guess she only had three moves, and she's used them up. <laughs> well, and and when when the, the so the doors close on them, and then and then we, you know, the camera cuts to uh, them fighting, and Dale gives uh, uh, Aura a shove, and Aura does like a full, complete three sixty back roll that is so obviously choreographed i mean it's just you know dale did not shove her that hard to make her do a complete flip over back roll like that it's just so oh i'm gonna show them how i can do a back roll here and just do it (laughs) how tough do we expect aura to be um she because she's she's getting taken to town by dale and does that make sense or should she be putting up a better fight i'm trying to figure out how i feel about um Aura getting sort of, you know, backhanded so easy. We can assume she always has guards, so does she have, like, training for fighting herself? Maybe a little, but not a lot. Although, why does Dale have any? I don't th- I don't think Aura's ever been in a physical altercation in her life. She's never had to. Yeah, yeah she's never had to. No one's had to have the guts to do it. Yeah, she's definitely not the kid you want to bully in uh, middle school. <laughs> I-, I could have seen... And it didn't happen, obviously. I would find it completely believable, and this is sort of a trope that you see every now and then, the daughter of the bad guy who may not be as bad a bad guy, you know, her taking fencing lessons or karate lessons with her disapproving father or smug father looking over her and that becoming a a plot point later. Um, But yeah, as this movie is presented... Yeah, I guess there's no reason to believe that Aura would know how to handle herself in a fight because uh, all the guys have wanted to stop her, and uh, I'm sure all the women were too scared to challenge her. So, uh, yeah, yeah, this this is probably a big moment, the first time where Aura has had to face off against somebody, and it's, uh, she's, she's running scared, as she should. Yeah, she knows how to manipulate men. Not Pillows. <laughs> and... Uh... <laughs> Dale gets such an awesome. Aura says, "Dale, stop!" And then just this, <laughs> this uh, Dale, uh, uh, Dale's hand with a pillow just comes into the frame from from left and just <laughs> slams her in the face really hard with the pillow. And it's just such a, a a great funny shot to see the pillow just suddenly come out as Aura's talking and just slam her like that. And Aura just like you know, ah, I'm gonna be exiled. Mm-hmm. I mean, she, she doesn't even you know. She barely registers the pillow. Yeah, it barely registers on her because it's a pillow, you know? But it's just such an awesome just hand just coming in and just slamming her with it. Uh, yeah, it's great. Uh, one of the little things that I really enjoyed was they kept uh, panning to all the uh, the slave girls in the background. And they <laughs> are loving so this Great stuff. time. They're giggling and hiding. And, uh, and I don't know, Eric, what are we supposed to take away from this? Is it just a thing where the slave girls just have been waiting for Aura to get her comeuppance, or they just, in general, they just like to see chick, other chicks fight. This is the best entertainment they have received in years. These are <laughs> these are slaves to Ming. They probably are not allowed to do anything for fun, and they have a front row seat now at, at, a, at a true 
brawl. I think they just, wow, this is this is the best thing we've seen in years. Yeah, it, it's awesome. It's funny they kept panning to them, and uh, it, yeah, and you're right because. Well, I just remember earlier, that's how Dale got out of the previous situation, by offering one of the sleep girls a drink, because they never get to have any fun. So this is this is better than cable for them. <laughs> At the end, so, they, they, you know, Dale stops, and then she she agrees to listen to Aura, and Aura is crying. And so we get the big callback of the movie to the earlier scene when Aura sees Dale crying and says, you know, what what is this, you know, water leaking out of her eyes so people on mongo do not cry because aura doesn't even know what it is and so she's now saying look i I, you know i'm actually crying now something i never knew existed two days ago and she's using it to show aura uh to show dale you know to prove that her heart has changed that she she indeed is a different person even though she didn't even know what crying was before yeah, and not just that she never had to cry, because of course she would never have reason to be that sad. But she's never even seen, she's never even read about it. Uh, okay, so apparently now she's the deepest feeling person on this uh, in Mongo. Um, what what I loved is she's basically trying to prove like I've had a change of heart. Of course now, since I have something to lose, like it, it doesn't feel like her change of heart was because she saw a flash of sacrifice or because she realized how much she cares about Baron. It's like. I'm going to be banished. Bad stuff has happened to me for the first time ever. I now, I, I've had a change of heart. It's like, no, you haven't. You're just scared. Well, she also just had the boar worms. The oh, worst yeah, no, that's it's, ever happened to her. Yeah, it's it's definitely, you know, she's having a bad day, but it, it, it's, uh, I don't know. To go completely off track, it's sort of like the movie, uh, the, or the story of Christmas Carol, where when that story isn't, there's been a thousand different versions of Christmas Carol, and a lot of them it just shows Ebenezer is scared he's going to die, and nobody cares. So that's when he decides to turn over a new leaf. And it's like, ah, oh, that's okay. So if he has something to lose, that's when he'll care. It's like, oh, yeah, he still sucks. And <laughs> it's sort of that way with Aura, where she's not really, still not showing any empathy or understanding about what other people are going through. It's just like, oh no, I've had the boar worm. I'm going to be banished. I've been uh, tortured. Uh, now I understand. It's like, oh, you still suck. Um, so, uh, Eric, what, what are your feelings about Aura's change of heart? Uh, I, if if you allow me to, I will save that for tomorrow's episode because <laughs> Dale gets into her opinions on that, and so yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna save my comments on that till tomorrow. Oh, tomorrow's a fun minute because, yeah, Dale's. So here it comes across as obnoxious. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, Eric, what other notes do you have for 85? Uh, I have no other notes on this minute, but I want to ask uh, Robert a question. Uh, yeah. Tie this into Flash Gordon here. So do you consider Michael Myers uh, just an unkillable uh, you know, person, or do you consider him a supernatural force like you know, Freddy uh, became? I think he plays better as a force of nature. Okay. Yeah. So if he's come, if he, let, let's say he's on Zarkov's rocket ship and, and he lands on Mongo, and so he's now a force of nature. Uh, how how is he faring? You know, he let's say he comes up against Ming and Clytus. How how does he think he's going to do? Depending on how they interact with him, I think Ming would want to adopt him so he could send him off to planets like he does all of his destruction at the beginning of the movie. Oh, so make him one of the 
uh, add his name to the little menu bar that he has there. Well, yeah, at this point, Clytus is dead, so Ming needs someone new. Hmm, press the Michael Myers button and just send him down. <laughs> that's where they come that's where those killers come from. Ming sends Michael Myers. <laughs> I, I like the idea of that where, and it makes sense because Mike Myers doesn't really. It, Robert, what is? And I know each of the bad, each of these iconic, uh, you know, supernatural slasher killers have their motivations. What what's Mike Myers' motivation in the movies? Because in the podcast, I go into the novelization, which adds a whole other element of him being possessed by a Celtic kid from a long time ago. Uh, but in the movies, basically, a cult is using his bloodline to sacrifice people so that other people don't die. It's vague and weird, which is a lot of why a lot of people don't like the sixth movie. But in the first movie alone, he doesn't have one. He's just there to kill. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, I know with Jason Voorhees, it's really doesn't like uh, you know teenagers having sex. Yeah, a little bit of revenge for his mother. Right, and Freddy Krueger was going after the children of the parents who murdered him. Yeah. Um, so, and Scream, there's there's a different. It, Scream is less supernatural, so it's yeah. Well, and Scream is a. Each movie is a different killer with different motivations also. Right, right. Just all somehow, you know. Going after the same person. Because Sidney Prescott is very killable. Yes. Well, you would think. But, uh, <laughs> they've been able to do to her what her career did it to itself. It's killer. So. You were asking about Aura's, like, change of heart. There's more of it in the next minute. But I think one of your previous guests talked about, like, treating this movie like the comic strip. And where it has to be self-contained to, like, those three or four panels. It makes more sense that she has this abrupt change in that context. Or the context of the crew. Wasn't this the movie where the crew and the actors spoke different languages? Yeah, there were a lot. All right, very good. Well, uh, another great minute. Um, Robert, where should people go to find out more about uh, your your little piece of uh, the minute-by-minute world? Uh, on Facebook and Twitter at Myers Minute, and on Instagram Michael Myers Minute. All right, and Eric, where can people find out more about Flash Gordon Minute? Uh, on Facebook, we're in the Flash Gordon Minute listeners vortex. Uh, on Twitter, Flash Gordon Pod, and email Flash Gordon Minute at gmail dot com. We we have fantastic conversations on the uh, listeners vortex. Uh, a lot of people with uh, uh, people have been in, in, enjoying the music of uh, Flash Gordon Minute. Uh, we, we we like to. Basically, a little pull behind the curtain. We love, uh, you know, often while editing, we try to find uh, references to, to songs or something that ties into it, and we go out on a song. Uh, Eric, you actually took over for a week, and uh, I think you had some fun doing that. Yeah, you you uh, you uh, graced me with a guest DJing spot, and uh, I was like, all right, you got it. Yeah, that was fun. That was fun. You, you, you picked out some good stuff, so uh, very cool. Um, we asked everyone to give a rating and review on iTunes. Um, it's, guys, this has been another great minute. I'm looking forward to finishing this up tomorrow. But, uh, Eric, there's just something weighing upon me. Uh, okay. Is, is it another serious weight, Brad? No, no, no. We're, we're, we're lightening it up. Okay. Well, we're... We do still ask for the Ranger reviews because we are uh, making a donation for every, do- for every rating and review to a a uh, charity of uh, the choice of uh, Eric's sister. Uh, but no, no, no. I, uh, 
I've just been bummed because I just uh, read issue 54 of the comic book saga. And I got so sad. And I'm like, no, how could they do that? And, you know, and they also had an announcement at the end that they're probably going to be waiting about a year for the next issue. It's like, no, it's not even a cliffhanger. It's just really bumming me out. And I, I just I just don't know what to do. Well, if you have absolutely no idea whatsoever what Saga is or what Brad is talking about, then that means you're exactly like me. But if our, our ignorance causes us problems, don't worry. Flash will save every one of us. Attention listeners, you can follow us on Twitter at FlashGordonPod and join the conversation on Facebook in the Flash Gordon Minute Listener's Vortex. Stay tuned for our next thrilling episode of Flash Gordon Minute. Cheating now! Ah!